the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. June 25th, 2021. Few people are smarter than Mark Stein. Heck, few people are as smart as Mark Stein. The other day, a caller, Tina, I think, mentioned his essay in the current issue of Imprimus and how important it is. I read it and agree, and he and his is our text for today. I don't know how free countries began to act like East Berlin, but it is just one indication that America and the West in general have become almost unrecognizable from what they were not that long ago. Look at just three things we have lost. One is equality before the law, something absolutely essential to a free society. In its place, we now have a politicized law. If a policeman fatally shoots someone, whether his name is released to the public depends on whether the shooting is consistent with the preferred narrative of the ruling class. A policeman recently took down a young woman who was threatening the life of another young woman with a knife, and that policeman was immediately identified. Indeed, his photo was posted, and he was threatened by NBA superstar LeBron James on Twitter. On the other hand, we know nothing of the policeman who shot dead an unarmed woman in the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. His name will apparently never be released to the public. Second, border control. Functioning societies, at least since the peace of Westphalia, have borders. America has no southern border and no plans to get one. The official position of our government seems to be that any of the 7 billion persons on this planet has a right to come and stay in the U.S. for three years until his or her assigned court date comes up. As the number of people with pending cases continues to grow, that three years will extend out to five or seven or 15 years. If we get all seven billion people to come here, the court system will break down entirely and maybe we can just go back to having a functioning border. And third, dare I bring up the fact that it is a real question whether we can go back to agreeing to have open and honest elections. And if we don't have open and honest elections, control of our borders and equality before the law, then we don't have the conditions of politics or free government. And here's the thing. It is not at all clear to me that many of America's conservative politicians understand the seriousness of all this. You can see it in the fact that they go around trying to scare people with the specter of a radical socialist agenda. For well over a year now, we have been living in a world in which it's accepted as normal that the state has essentially unlimited power and in which our freedom to decide for ourselves has been diminished almost to invisibility. Why do these conservative politicians think the words radical socialist agenda will scare anyone in a time when the state can tell us whether we can have Aunt Mabel over? They are completely out of touch. I should very much like to come back to this. Over the same period as the pandemic lockdowns, we have seen an escalation of so-called wokeness. And if you look at one of the most startling manifestations of this, transgender fanaticism, which involves, after all, the abolition of biological sex, and I'm sorry to have to say it, the physical mutilation of children, 
One notices that America is farther down this road than any other country in the Western world. In other words, at this moment of crisis for Western civilization, or for what we used to call Christendom, the leading country of the free world is pulling the wrong way. Think of it. Your daughter has been training since she was a little girl to run in school sports. Now, at 17, she's in the state high school track championships, and you are forbidden even to notice that she's competing against a woman who is 6'2", with thighs like tugboats, a great touch of 5 o'clock shadow, and the most muscular bosom you've ever seen. You're not supposed to notice the craziness of this, and the craziness is as is that it is at its craziest right here in America. We traditionally think of France as being a bit screwy, but today there are French intellectuals who regard themselves as hardcore leftists and yet who think America has gone bonkers on this very issue of transgenderism. President Macron himself has said that America wokeness is an existential threat to the French Republic, and he found bureaucrats in France's education bureaucracy who agreed. There is not a single bureaucrat in the Department of Education in Washington, D.C. who would agree, but there are apparently a few in Paris. If you look further east in Europe to the lands that were once behind the Iron Curtain, Hungary, Poland, and the Czech Republic, which still function as conventional nation states calculating their best interests, you find tremendous fear of the threat of wokeness that is being exported, sometimes aggressively, from America. So it is here in the U.S. we have to put the stake through these ideas. But again, even most of our conservative leaders and institutions seem oblivious. School districts in America are talking about revising their curricula to cover transgender issues from grade school on. This should be the main topic politicians speak about. Another big issue that should take our minds off what the media wants us to is China. I can't get over the way we in the U.S. have been ordered by our governors and the CDC to punish ourselves by living small, shrunken lives, while the people in China who have loosed this pandemic in the world have paid no price for it. Dr. Fauci has been a federal government bureaucrat since 1968. He's the J. Edgar Hoover of public health. He talks about COVID virus as if we're at war. But he seems to think a country wins a war by taking it out on its own population rather than the enemy, which is what we've done. Which do you think was the only major economy to grow in 2020 last year? It's not a hard question. America's economy shrank 3.5% last year. The economies of Germany and Japan shrank almost 5%. France's, Italy's, and India's economies all shrank 8%. The economy of the United Kingdom was down 10%. China's economy, on the, hand, on the other hand, grew 2.3%. The COVID pandemic has been hugely profitable for China. U.S. policy towards China since the 1990s represents perhaps the biggest strategic miscalculation by any great power in human history. Just as communism was wobbling and beginning to fall everywhere else, we helped Beijing come up with the first economically viable form of communism. At first, we were told it was only our manufacturing that would ship to China. After all, we were told it wasn't economic economically viable for Americans to make widgets. Remember all that talk in the 90s? We were going to be the knowledge economy? All the clever people told us this. 
We weren't going to have mills and factories because we were going to have knowledge. Well, in case you haven't noticed, China's got the entire knowledge economy for itself now. It makes our laptops and our smartphones, and it's out front with Huawei and 5G. It also makes the batteries that power our gizmos and the chips that run our cars. When COVID struck, we found out fast that the Chinese not only make our viruses, they also make the personal protective equipment that protects us against the viruses and all our medicines, too. Those wily Chinese get you both coming and going. China is now the number one global power. You can define this militarily, where it now has the largest surface fleet on the planet. You can define it economically. The way I define it is to look at who gets their way in the world. We need politicians with a sense of urgency about all these things. But all they seem to have urgency about are things that aren't urgent. Look at climate change. People say we need to take action over climate change or else rising sea levels are going to overwhelm the Maldives and the Indian Ocean in the 22nd century. That's the century after this one, which is still quite young. These same people say about the immediate crisis on the southern border that it's a natural phenomenon beyond the control of politicians. But changing the weather in order to lower the sea levels that will threaten the Maldives and the Indian Ocean in the next century is within the power of politicians? In general, our leaders are urgent about nothing that matters and not in the least bit urgent about things that matter very much. The things our news media talks about incessantly, whether it's transgender bathrooms or Confederate statues being toppled or the totally dishonest national conversation on race, nothing, nothing like this is heard in China. It just goes along steadily, strengthening its position as the world's leading superpower. It does not suffer from self-doubt or preemptive cultural surrender. The Chinese don't find themselves stuck in these sterile drain-circling, dishonest public conversations about identity politics. These conversations turn out to be truly just a waste of time. And one thing we should demand of our politicians is they talk about things that aren't a waste of our time. Mention President Macron of France. He's a sinister globalist. But he made an admirable stand when he announced that Not one French statue would be taken down and not a single French street name would be changed because they are all part of French history. And bingo, as Peter Navarro likes to say, the statue toppling and street name changing in France went away. Why can't American conservatives show that kind of strength? The Senate Minority Leader says he personally would not be bothered if the historical names of U.S. military bases are changed. The editor of National Review says he wouldn't be bothered about taking down Confederate statues. But, of course, it doesn't stop there because they're going after all of them. Washington, Jefferson, Lincoln, McKinley, Grant, and on and on. The point conservatives need to grasp is unless you're prepared to surrender everything, don't surrender anything. I'll end pointing out that the left wins because it seizes language. Take the policy of letting people vote who are not U.S. citizens and shouldn't be voting. The left calls this policy counting every vote. Therefore, someone who wants to make sure voters are citizens is opposed to counting every vote. If we don't take back the language, we'll lose the truth. Even on Fox, news anchors talk about gender assigned at birth, as if that's something different from one's biological sex. 
There may be 57 genders, but there are only two biological sexes. Don't surrender the language. Reclaim the language. It's the first step to reclaiming our civilization. I'm Seth Leibson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Kamala Harris goes to El Paso. And um, one has to question, well, you put it well, Bill. You put it very well. You said we may want to ease up on the Joe Biden is intellectually and mentally compromised talk. may want to ease up on that because that results in President Harris. And if you can imagine something less competent than Joe Biden, you get Kamala Harris. I, I, I have no understanding at all of the political of the political scenery that they expected would come of this visit for year for years, for the last four months. Congressman Andy Biggs and others were saying Kamala Harris will not come to the border because they can't handle. They don't want. The visuals of what's going on and that what is going on is so evidently and obviously going on, not just on their watch, the Biden administration's watch, but as a result of their policies. So she waited something like 90 days to not go to the border and then decided to go to the most antiseptic, clean, what's the word I want, um, uh, non-affected part of the border so that there could be photo ops that don't show anarchy. I, who have been there, know where those places are. Most Americans who pay attention to this know where those places are. And you can go 700 miles away, as Kamala Harris did, to where those places aren't. And get the kind of clean video you got today. But there was something that was not so good that went down. And that was the local congresswoman there, Congresswoman Escobar, who said, welcome to the new Ellis Island. Welcome to the new Ellis Island. This is a tell. This is what the Democrats think of our border strategy between Mexico and the United States. They think this is no different and should be no different from the legal, administrative, successful processing that took place at Ellis Island in the 19th and 20th century. One of the most efficient and legal government operations that a lot of families look back to with fondness and reverence. That is not what you have at the United States-Mexico border any more than you have, as an example or as an analogy, um, the border of of west and east between west and east berlin 
and the border of the United States and Mexico. One worked to keep people in. One is not being erected that lets people in. And it's a false analogy, and it's intellectually dishonest, unless it is, and this is what scares me, intellectually honest. If that is what they truly believe, then Mark Stein is right. You can say Mark Stein exaggerates when he says the Democrats want any of the 7 billion people who inhabit this earth to have a right to come into the United States of America. Well, when you compare what's taking place at the border right now to Ellis Island, how do you argue with that proposition? You have no limiting principle, and you have no understanding for the need of a border. Nor probably do you have much understanding of history. Ellis Island, I hope Congresswoman Escobar doesn't think, is one of these places that people from Europe swam to or had 19th century and 20th century versions of European coyotes smuggling people in with drugs from Prague and sex-slaved children from Czechoslovakia. That's not what was taking place at Ellis Island. And by the way, for those that know the history of Ellis Island, if government officials saw anything fishy, guess where you went? Not into a hotel in the United States. Not into a Greyhound bus into the United States. You went back or you went to jail. That's not what's happening here. But that's what Congresswoman Escobar wants to happen here. You almost wonder if Kamala Harris might have taken her aside afterwards and said, you know, when I was in Guatemala, I told the people not to come. I told them to stay. But, you know, if you're going to say this is Ellis Island and tell people this is a processing center for all kinds of immigration and that our arms are open, like the New Colossus poem says, which is at Ellis Island, then um, you're going to undermine my message. Do you think she said that? No. No. Because what she did do was resent saying, please don't come. If she didn't resent saying it, then she wouldn't have said come all last year. And she wouldn't have been as nasty about it when she was down there and as defensive about it. It's about as meaningful that she went to El Paso today that the U.S. Intelligence Committee released its long-awaited report on unidentified flying objects today. How much has that changed your life? Do you know what the report says? They don't either. They're not sure either. 144 sightings. They don't know what it is. Great. Great. I don't want people to get too excited about what the news media tells you you should be excited about. And by the way, that includes, here's a phrase you haven't heard in a while, the ongoing Durham investigation. 
Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Open lines Friday, 602-508-0960. For listeners to this station, you've heard talk of the power of fives. And that is the brain child and the brain work of a good friend, Dr. Bob Branch, himself a former candidate for public office here in Arizona. Dr. Branch, welcome back to the show. How are you, sir? Oh, Seth, I thank you very much for having me on. I appreciate it. Well, it's good to have you on, sir. You are one of our uh, committed conservatives doing great work in the state of Arizona, really throughout the United States. Tell the audience a little bit about what the Power of Fives is, how you conceived it, and what it is. Well, how I've conceived it, first of all, is, you know, during the during the primary elections, uh, party politics say that in a contested primary, the party doesn't really get involved. So we ask people to step up, run for office. However, no one vets them, no one gets behind them, no one endorses them, no one supports them. Then what ends up happening is in the primary election, they lose. Then we get to the general election. We look at the ballot and we say, well, why don't we have good people yeah. running for these offices? Right. Well, we did. We had great people run for office. No one supported them. So I started power of fives to fill that gap. So we're recruiting candidates, vetting candidates. We're going to get back behind candidates. And these aren't just candidates. These are conservative individuals that as a group are going to run for these offices. And the, the whole mantra is to uh, change the, uh, the tide of this state make it from blue to red again, and make it solid conservative. So if you are, this is a question to you, Dr. Brands, if you are a committed conservative yes, in this state, you're thinking of running for office in this state, you want to go to the thepoweroffives.com, right? That is correct. That is correct. No matter what office you want to run for, um, you know, the Power of Fives is, is to help, you know, candidates that are running for Arizona State House and also all the executive offices from governor on down. But we're out here even trying to help, you know, people running for school board, people running for, you know, uh, just local offices. If you're a great conservative and you want to run for these offices, contact us. And uh, we'll get you in line with the right people to help you as well. That's wonderful, Doctor Branch. Uh, that's the power of fives dot com. Tell me about the name. What does it what, what does it represent? Fives. Well, I do appreciate. It. I'm big into symbology, but you know the, the the easiest the easiest way is clean election candidates. They go out and they collect uh, individual five dollar contributions, and when they collect those contributions, can turn them into the state. And the state will help fund the campaign. So, example, governor. Governor collects 4,000 individual $5 contributions plus about 20% buffer. The, gov- uh, the, the state clean election fund will give almost $900,000 to run for an office. And so there's power in those fives. Uh-huh. Um, and so the, hence the power of fives, but also, you know, looking biblical. And you know, I mm-hmm. teach at Christian University. Yes, so looking biblical, David picked up five stones, right? There you go. So, there you go. Goliath. And, and that's what we want to do, too. Perfect. And uh, there's a lot of Goliaths to be slain. Dr. Branch, just so people, I know you, I've known you for years, uh, I voted for you. 
uh, in the past. Tell me, uh, doctor, um, just so the audience that doesn't know you, your view basically of uh, the conservative movement right now. When we talk about, you know, constitutional conservatives, committed conservatives, what in the firmament of, of conservatism, what does that mean to you? Tell, tell the audience what, what Dr. Bob Branch's view of conservatism is. Well, I, I, I do appreciate that. Uh, you know, it, it has to do with fiscal conservativeness. It also has to do with understanding what the Constitution is, limited government, uh, and, and understanding all that. Now, as far as the movement goes, here's a concern I have, Seth, and I, I don't know if you, you're seeing it or not. Uh, we are talking about it over this last week, and that's people that are self um silencing themselves so they go to work they're upset of what's going on for instance macy gray over the weekend say we should get rid of the flag it's it's uh you know it offends offends her so on monday morning at the water cooler people are talking about it but if a conservative republican walks up and starts saying that that's insane that's bad all all of a sudden they're labeled racist that's right right and so now they're self-silencing themselves, and and I, boy, Seth, we can't do that. I'm we, with we you. We got to be vocal with everything that we do. Now. I'm with you. I think that so, is the first charge of the conservative cause right now: be vocal, don't apologize, and don't hide. Right? That's exactly right. When I see these parents over in Virginia oh, standing right. up and and against their school board, it's like every conservative out there should have that same voice yelling and screaming what's going on you betcha and And taking over the school board and you can help them do that here through the power of hives right dr branch exactly exactly you know we're here we're here to help we're here to take the lead and uh, you know uh you know I, i am not apologetic for any of my advertising out there i'm going face to face with these people right now uh and we got to change the tide we had something good with trump and uh, no matter what had happened, we got to get somebody like that. But we also got to give support. So we got to start at the state level, at the county level, at the local level, and let's turn this state red again. Dr. Branch, thank you. Because if we lose conservatives, we lose this country. Sir, thank you. The power of fives.com. Keep it up, buddy, and stay close. God bless. And God bless you, Seth. God Thank bless you, buddy. you, Dr. Branch. Thank you. Again, you interested in running for school board or something higher even? The power of fives dot com. The power of fives dot com. Please do consider running. We are doing a great job in representing at those meetings. It'd be nice if we ran those meetings. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. We have a funny joke about that song. That's an old Jim Steinman song uh, that um, was originally written for Meatloaf, right? It was originally written for Meatloaf. I think they had a falling out, as they do from time to time, or as they did from time to time. And uh, it was given to um, Barry Manilow. (laughs) And they both ended up doing it. In any event, welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show open line Friday, 602-508-0960. You may recall earlier in the week, uh, my general manager and I and a um, woman from the Phoenix Dream Center were talking. This is the organization here that is doing so much to stop human trafficking, ending childhood hunger, and uh, really save the children that uh, we have um, 
we have been talking about for so long that go through these horrific, horrific trades um, as if they are chattel slavery over and over and over again. It's really the abuse of civilization. And the Phoenix Dream Center does great work. We are delighted to partner with them. We are delighted to be able to offer them uh, our support. And one of our listeners just did a great thing and offered a match, a donation matching grant that he will match any donation to the Phoenix Dream Center up to $20,000. PhoenixDreamCenter.org. PhoenixDreamCenter.org. Dennis Prager talks about what it takes to fight in this country, in this world and in this country. There are those that can physically do it. There are those that can help others physically do it. There are those that can help promote those who physically do it, and um, there are those who do nothing. Let's not be in that last category. You want to do something positive for an abused child and give them a chance at a good life in this country, support the Phoenix Dream Center. And right now, through Wednesday of next week, there's a matching grant up to $20,000. Phoenix Dream Center. Take a look. Please do. PhoenixDreamCenter.org. Uh, delighted to be able to uh, offer that up uh, for our community. Uh, one of the interesting things that came out of this week, and it was a long week, was it not? One of the interesting things that came out of this week was not just an insight into the Democratic Party, as you saw from the comment from the congresswoman from El Paso saying, welcome to the new Ellis Island. But you got it from some of the military brass that were testifying in front of Congress this week as well. Uh, we were talking, of course, about uh, General Mark Milley, who is the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. There was, of course, Admiral Gilday and, of course, Secretary of Defense Austin getting caught in the tripwires of that which they've imported into the military academies, which is woke curricula. It can be called critical race theory if you want. Some have called it that. But whatever you want to call it, um, it's new, and it's not surprising that the left doesn't want us asking about it. Um, if, by the way, okay, yes, I'll take care of that in a moment. Thank you, Bill. Uh, one more point on the Phoenix Dream Center when I, when I finish this point. If, if, if the critical race theory curricula is a mystery, a mystery to Democrats and hosts at MSNBC who think it's just in the law schools, well, they're not doing their job. It's really, really, really easy to Google uh, – excuse me, it's really, really, really easy – to Google education websites and, for example, take the Durham Public Schools in, uh, in Raleigh-Durham, North Carolina. Um, they have a piece of legislation right now. I guess it wouldn't be called so much a piece of legislation as a um, proposal, a resolution, because it's a school board resolution. And uh, let me just read it to you. Whereas Durham Public School Board of Education has drafted and shared a resolution 
regarding black history and critical race theory in the U.S., whereas the city of Durham's Racial Equity Task Force has highlighted the wide-ranging and pervasive negatively interacting the lives of black people, indigenous people, and other people of color in Durham. On and on I can go with the whereases, but it's right there in the first one. Critical race theory. That is what they want. That is what they want. Regardless, whatever you want to call Mao, which is what General Milley is having people read, whatever you want to call Marx, which is what General Milley is having people read, so that he, as he said, can better understand white rage, makes no sense to me at all. Mao didn't really talk much or write much on white rage, nor do I think did Karl Marx. Mao wasn't even white. But it does beg an interesting kind of question, doesn't it? A little bit. If white rage is what you're looking to understand, why wouldn't you read white supremacists? Why wouldn't that be on the reading list? Because, of course, it's foolish and stupid and wrong. And you don't need to elevate that any more than you need to elevate that, which we think, too, is toxic, namely Marx and Mao. By the way, uh, I, I don't think I misspoke, but I, I, I can make life easier for those of you who want to contribute to the Phoenix Dream Center and help stop human trafficking and give these wonderful children, these abused children, a chance at a good life in this country. Uh, we're matching uh, the Phoenix Dream Center through a generous contribution of one of our listeners any donation you make up to $20,000 through next Wednesday. Easiest way to do it, through our website. Just go to 960thepatriot.com. That is the easiest way to do it. 960thepatriot.com. And help a child. Help a child. There's nothing you'll be more proud of. 960thepatriot.com, Phoenix Dream Center. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. Mike is in Carefree. Hi, Mike. Hi, Seth. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. I, I listen to people try to make sense and reason out of wokeism and critical theory of all types, and I think they, they're, they're approaching it from the wrong side. You, you need to kind of think of this in terms of the Salem Witch Trials. Okay. You're... But if, you're, if you don't believe in critical theory, then you're guilty, and we'll put you in a bond. And if you drown, then you're innocent. And if you don't drown, then we'll burn you at the stake. Correct. But the result is the same. Right. There, there, is no, there is no discussion. Right. Right. That is fair. And it is true, and you will even see it in some of these curricula. For example, uh, one of the BLM curricula, uh, lesson, uh, not lessons, points, 12-point program, uh, one of the points is that we do not need to justify the reasoning for this curricula. That 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 is uh, you know a peremptory cutting off of any discussion. It's a, it's a very 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 Orwellian situation. And and when I say Orwellian, I don't even know if people know what I mean by that. But it is. And Salem witch trials is the right way to think of it. It's a, it's a malignant. It's very malignant because it, what. It, you, when you try to discuss this, I actually I actually got into a discussion with one of my grandnephews, teachers, 
who was telling him that he had white privilege and he was living on stolen land and all the usual BS. And uh, I said, well, let's take, for example, you, you want to throw out all the reason and all the sociologic changes that have occurred over the last two millennia. The reason of Plato, you know, the, the Enlightenment, et cetera, et cetera. But you want to accept all the technological advances because, in reality, all forms of logic, reason, and humanity are 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 created on the shoulders of our ancestors. Of course, that's right. Of course, that's right. But that, of course, was Marx's goal to destroy all history. Right? Up until now, the task of the philosopher was understanding history. Our job is to change it, he said, and they are doing that. They are doing that. By the way, once again, if you want to help out the Phoenix Dream Center and take advantage of this great matching grant donation we have up to $20,000, go to 960thepatriot.com and you'll see our work with the Phoenix Dream Center and you can make your contribution and help right there. Mick McGuire coming up, former adjutant general of the National Guard, candidate for Senate. He'll tell us what he thinks of what Mark Milley and the Admiral said this week, it's not positive. We'll be right back. <laughs> 